Reef Therapy by Reef Builders is brought to you by ICP Analysis. What's in your water? What's going on, Reef Builders? Welcome to a the first official session of Reef Therapy, a long-format reef aquarium discussion. I'm Jake Adams. i got my good buddy, Mark Vanderwall. How you been, Mark? Pretty good, man. Pretty good. So last week was very much the pilot episode of Reef Therapy. It wasn't even called that at the time. Um, but I think you and I definitely got a lot out of it, just not being able to socialize with people in general, and especially about reef tanks. And um, I, was, I was really pleasantly surprised by the responses that we got uh, in the comments on the video. What did you think? Uh, yeah, same. Uh, one, I had a, I had a lot of fun with it. It was, it was good to, you know, catch up with you and chat about a subject that we both really, obviously, care about and like. And um, <clears throat> you know, we have a lot of, I think, history that that is fun to tap into at times. Um, and I, I enjoyed reading all the comments. Uh, it, it was nice to see that feedback that that other people enjoyed it as well. I think you know. I discovered something about you as far as in our discussion, you know, I, over the last 20 years, you know, you've kind of waxed and waned in your enthusiasm for reef aquariums. Like you've always had a reef tank and you always reef kind of a heavier, deeper than most, but I didn't realize even if you have one basic tank, you're still like, your, your mind's still turning when you were talking <laughs> about the, the bacteria and, and, uh, What's the name? Uh, Aquabionics, right? That's yeah, the, yeah. the testing service that tests the bacteria. So you've been doing all kinds of stuff, and I didn't even uh, totally realize it. But so, so that's cool, you know, to know that your gears are still turning, even if we're not talking on a regular. Yeah, it's it's my escape. It always it always will be. Um, I, I don't, you know, I, for a while there, I just was really busy and I wasn't really jumping online and and I guess contributing to the hobby much, but. Um, it was still a, a really big escape for me, and uh, I, I don't know, man. It's any aquarium I set up, I take a kind of a geeky biology. You know, to me, it's always a science experiment. It could be my daughter's beta tank, right? And I'm like, okay, how can we make this more self-contained and you know, go low-tech planted? And you know, she just wants to have a castle. <laughs> you know, what I, mean? I, th I think one characteristic that both of us share is getting down to the fundamentals of what is really going on. I don't want to just fix an issue. I want to understand how this issue came about in the first place. You know, a, a real holistic approach uh, from the very basics all the way to, you know, something more advanced. Yeah, yeah, it's, I, I think that's, it also makes it more fun to me. Uh, I mean, maybe that's, Everybody gets something different out of the hobby, right? But for me personally, it's the holistic picture and and the cause and effect and and you know I mean I, there's there's man I've got a laundry list of things that I want to pick your brain about where I'm stumped about you know why is this happening because of this and and that's 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 that space that I get get I guess the most enjoyment out of is 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 really the observational element of reef keeping and and um you know making tweaks about it and and yeah seeing seeing what changes you make and what the outcome is and yeah I don't know yeah so you know for us the, the reef aquarium hobby is a is a, I would say 
borderline of religion and a, and a lifestyle. And so it's really cool to do this format. Um, I want to address this, a few of the comments that we, we got on last week's video um, because I think most people who are doing something comparable to this are doing it mostly live. And I really, really enjoyed the uninterrupted, just hour long reef aquarium brainstorm with you. It just, it takes a lot more effort to pay attention to all the live chats and all the questions popping up at the same time. And the, the train of thought just zigzagging all over the place. Um, so a lot of people asked if we were gonna do this live and um, I think that will be the exception. You know, that's something more down the road. Um, and we'll call those uh, Reef Therapy Live, and we'll call these episodes uh, Reef Therapy Sessions. So I'm actually in love with the name. We're already working on some logos, but really just want to bring something uh, enriching to everyone that they can both watch uh, and listen to and um, you know, just get a little bit more inspired about their reef tank. I like it. I'm, I'm good with whatever, man. I'm just here for the fun. <laughs> um, you know, uh, but, I'll, but I will. I will highlight some people's comments from the previous week. So uh, Wordzone Earth said, it doesn't make sense that the show hasn't been on for a while. Keep it up. And man, I wish I could just click this on. I could, wish I could just click on this video and listen to it myself. Um, but it's also super fun to do it with you. Um, people want to see more of the tanks. So I think I'm a little bit out of focus because it's focusing on the tank, but I, like, that's a pretty good trade-off to have. I was um, actually brainstorming how to you know, get everything wired up and sit in front of my tank. So I'll try to do that in the future because I'm, I'm sure nobody wants to stare at a guitar on the wall. So. No, that's all right. And uh, But because this is pre-recorded, it'll give me more opportunities to splice in um, pictures and videos of, of what we're talking about. But that brings me to the first story I want to lead off with today is Tampa Bay saltwater. We have um, an inverted experience distribution in the reef aquarium hobby where there's probably more reefers that have picked up the hobby in the last two or three years than people who've been doing it for like 20 or 30 years right and it's it's really skewing the knowledge base you know last week we talked about the confusion between macroalgae scrubbers and refugiums i will never call a ball of ketomorpha a refugium i just refuse to i'm never going to do it yeah it's um, uh there's definitely it's it's interesting. I I had the same thought about uh, what well, you're about to bring up the live rock, but I had that same thought about this. Um, you know, in other areas, they often refer to it as generational amnesia, right? Where mm. um, there's there are reefers in the hobby today that probably never uh, started a tank with live rock. Maybe they started with dead rock, right? Or they never ran metal halides, right? Which uh, never I mean, ran metal halides. T5s, VHOs, power compacts. So there's people oh, that are man, comparing LEDs compact. to T5s, <laughs> and it's like you don't really know. You don't really know what those used to look like. It, you know, T5s are still very popular, yeah. especially in Europe. Um, they're really great for growth. But man, I just just replacing tubes that is a, a taste that I have totally lost. I cannot. It used to be exciting, right? Going to the fish store and like yeah. buying new, I'm going to get some new tubes for my tank. It's going to be all bright and I can maybe switch up the color spectrum from, you know, white tubes to a little bit more daylight tubes or a little bit pinky tubes. That's the thing that people will never, ever remember. Um, but live rock, I don't think there is such a thing as live rock. I, like actually live rock, not wet rock, 
When's the last time you saw what you believe was real, like ocean rock in a fish store? Oh, in a fish store? Because I was going to say, are you talking about um, wildly, wild collected rock or farmed ocean rock? Like, I mean, I think cause to me it's kind of the same, you know, as far as the life that comes onto it. That used to be the big debate, right? Now it's like dry rock versus man-made rock, which are both dry. And But back in the day, it was more like, all right, here's real live rock from the reef harvested as a chunk of reef that you know fell down slope versus cultured rock so i haven't seen it in a local fish store in a long time i will say that my current tank was started with uh tampa bay rock no way yeah tampa yep. bay saltwater and rock. sand so um, um i guess we really haven't mentioned this but tampa bay saltwater I think they've been around for like 20 years, yeah. maybe a little bit longer. Right when I started the Reef Aquarium hobby, they had just banned the harvest of wild Caribbean rock. And for good reason, because people were going out there with barges and just like absolutely excavating habitats from the Caribbean and from Florida waters. Um, but then shortly thereafter, I think the mid to late 90s, um, there was a movement to culture rock in the ocean. So you take a form of rock and you drop it on a lease site in a particular fashion. Like, I don't, I don't even know the ins and outs. And I don't know, you let it sit out there for a year, two years, five years. I don't, I don't even know how long. And then you pull it out and it's got all the life on it. And that was what we called actual live rock. Um, so Tampa Bay Saltwater has been in business for, I want to say, a good 20 years. And this year, um, the last couple of years, I've actually been trying to get some, uh, some of their deco rock with some, you know, really unique, can't get anywhere else, Caribbean corals like Oculina and Manicina. And they just have been kind of winding down, then COVID hit, but they have new owners now. And it sounds like it's a pair of young sisters, uh, Madeline and Jocelyn Lyon. And um, I actually spoke with them today. I've been trying to get in touch with them for a little while. Um, it sounds like the whole family is um, really uh, all about the ocean and boating. And brother's a spear fisherman, and you know, dad loves his boat up in you know Tampa waters. So later this year, they're saying maybe in the fall they'll be ready to ship Tampa Bay actual live rock again. That's awesome. That's good to hear. I, I'm a big believer in at least seeding your tank with some live rock. Um, you know, I, I've got nothing against dead rock, but uh, I, my personal opinion is, you know, the, the farmed rock that, you know, Tampa Bay has that, as a good example. Yes, you're going to risk some pests and some algae, but I mean, the benefits far, far outweigh the cons, in my opinion. Um, well, it's totally like a double-edged sword, right? Because all of my tanks are started with dry rock, whether that's Marco rock, Caribbean life rock, old, dead, used to be live rock. And, but I'm not setting up reef tanks in my mind. In my mind, I'm setting up coral showcases. It's all about the coral. I go to great length to reduce the biology, like reduce the transfer of sponges and, and worms. But there's something lost if, if that's something that you like to have a lot of life on your rock. Yeah. What's being sold as live rock that's just like barely wet with like a dusting of bacteria? That's not live rock. What do you, what do you remember from actual live rock? So I got, 
my first reef tank was with wild Florida rock, not the farm stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And and um, the guy, you know, it was some number in a Fama magazine, right? I called some live rock collector guy with a boat. He went out and grabbed it. And it was right around the time the ban was going into effect. I think I was like one of the last customers. But that stuff was pretty crazy. But um, I will argue that <clears throat> the stuff I got from Tampa Bay, uh, the Deco Rock, was just as good i mean i think i think his rock or i guess now it belongs to um i i, I forget the names you just mentioned um well it's still going to be tampa bay saltwater yeah but with the new owners i mean that rock's been in the water for so long that shh, shh, don't tell anybody man i'm trying to get some of that rock and i don't want to rush on the caribbean deco rock i want Sorry. first dibs <laughs> i want first dibs there's a piles of rocks probably some of them have been forgotten They've just been growing and growing and growing for a long time. Um, I so I did the uh, Fiji rock and the Marshall Islands rock back in you know back in the day too. Um, but that stuff would sit you know on those islands somewhere drying out forever. Then it got transshipped. By the time you got it, I mean you were really just managing a bunch of death, right? Like you were. That's why. There's so many articles on how to cure live rock. Yeah. Like, where did this even come from? And I want to say, in Walt Smith's defense, he didn't want to ship rock by boat, right? It's just people wanting to keep getting that price down while still calling it live rock. Yeah. And like you said, it turned out funky. So, so you started with all your tanks with actual live rock. Yeah, or, I mean... I've changed tanks a lot, so I would have live rock from old tank to new tank. But anytime I've started fresh, I've always done live rock. Um, and I, I've dealt with the ups and downs of it, you know. I mean, I still, late at night, every once in a while, I, I'll find a little predatory whelk, you know, crawling oh, across right. the sand beds. Right. But I got some tweezers, you know, some long tweezers that I just pick it out, get rid of it. Um, if, if you only care about the corals maybe dry rock is a way for you to go there might be some some like learning curves as far as stabilizing everything like when i use dry rock there's definitely it's maybe like six to nine months like succession of things that have to grow and and go away but with the live rock especially with for american reefers that tampa bay rock is going to be super fresh I'm, I'm, i'm quite excited about it yeah it's um the diversity, I mean, the sponge diversity in my tank is great. You know, I've got some crazy glow-in-the-dark looking yellow, bright highlighter yellow sponges, you know, growing in the nooks and crannies and um, pistol shrimp crawling around. I did have one mantis shrimp, you know. That that, that guy was a bit of a pain, but... Uh, when, when the rock is fresh, like people, like, again, what did you call it? Generational amnesia? Yeah, generational amnesia. When the rock is super fresh, it's it's like over a period of one to two years, like you don't know what can grow out of it. Different macroalgaes, yeah. always little spats of parietes. Um, but initially, right, pistol shrimp, mantis shrimp, small octopus, sometimes nanogobies, right? So like, I, I really hope that the current reef aquarium scene is gonna be, uh, uh, remember, you know what it's like to set up a tank with with live rock. Well, I've been watching some uh, YouTube, you know, other other people's YouTubes, and you know they're having these uh, epiphanies or these aha moments. Like, <laughs> you know what? 
What we found out, what we discovered is if you start a tank with dead rock, but you seed it with a little bit of live rock, you know, the stability, the time to having a stable tank is vastly shortened. And I'm, I'm not trying to be a smart aleck about it, but I'm like, come on, man. Like, we all knew this, <laughs> you know? You know, um, speaking of YouTube videos that just kind of missed the mark as a, I mean, I don't want to put him on the spot, but I think Matt Hatter had a, a video on the top 10 cleanup crew for Nana Reef Tank, and none of them were, th were things that you couldn't buy at, at a reef store, right? So it was only like snails, hermit crabs, and a couple random things. But my cleanup crew is the stomatellas, is the amphipods, is the copepods, I mean, even the bristle worms, man. Like, I, they, don't, they don't cause me any problems. I know they're, if they're there, that they're just eating un, uh, uneaten food, but there's a, you know, this is your background, like in ecology. There's so much that comes off of this rock to turn your tank into a reef tank, not just a coral showcase. Yeah, I mean, for me, I love fish. I love corals, of course. Those are probably the, the, the centerpiece, right, of a reef tank. But it isn't the same if it's doesn't have all those little inverts, you know, and I, I'm the guy that stares at a refugium, you know, uh, an actual, I'll call it, yeah, uh, but I, I'm the one with a flashlight at night seeing what's creeping around in the live rock, right? I love this idea. Maybe it's cause we, I grew up in the whole, uh, what was it? The biosphere and all of that, you know, that was kind of a big thing back in the nineties, but, um, I still have this, um, kind of, soft spot for the idea of creating like a, a closed ecosystem. And I, I know there's fallacies in that, right? I know a closed system, like it's, they're, they're, it's not really um, achievable in a way, right? Well, but, it but it's really, fun to imagine or play with that idea. It really depends on, you know, how you set up your tank and what you're aiming for, right? If you want a handful of corals and, but like you want to see some beautiful, like, live encrusted rock i mean I, you can't do that with dry rock you, you what, are, what are you going to get a few sponges and some coralline you know you're not going to get that whole explosion of life um definitely you know back in the 90s uh there was a lot more emphasis on the reef ecosystem and i i don't think most people have a reef ecosystem do you remember how many people usually like set up a reef tank with live rock a balance of fish and corals a big skimmer no automation, and their tank would just coast. It would just totally rock. Yeah. Well, and I remember a big moniker back then was, uh, you know, less technology, more biology. People more really, biology. people got really excited about, you know, the turf scrubbers. And, and it's cool to see uh, people getting back into, or I mean, they have been for many years now, but the waterfall scrubbers and all of that. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you think about deep sand beds or Joe Burt, all of that was this kind of natural approach to reef keeping that people were really trying to create a microcosm and, and let nature, you know, be your helper. And now it's gotten very mechanical again. Um, and yeah, maybe it's it cyclical, really has. You know? It really has. Automatic filter rolls, crazier skimmers, tons of flow, crazy light, automatic water testing. I'm like, man, what's left for the aquarists to do? Right. <laughs> And there's no wrong way, right? I mean, I've seen beautiful tanks set up a million different ways. And, and uh, I, you know, some people really love the, the gadgetry. And I, I do, right? I, I like some of the, the um, 
automation stuff just because that's also something that I do with work and um, you know so I get a kick out of some of the technology pieces of the hobby but but yeah I'm, I'm I don't know I, I get excited like your mangrove tank right like that's that's for me flex back in the day was like when you go to somebody's house and they'd have this immaculately dense coral tank and it just looked like somebody took a section out of a, a real reef and then you're like, oh, what kind of skimmer are you running? And the guy's like, oh, my skimmer broke like six months ago. Three you know? years ago. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, I, I guess I should replace it someday. And that was always like, oh, wow. So it's just, what do you, what do, you do? Oh, I just got some pumps running. Like that, those, that was always to me like some flex. Like, oh, man, you've got a balanced system. Like this thing I'm, is. I really need to pull out those pictures for my old hard drives because those reef tanks, man, they just look like a section of a, of a wild natural reef. And I mean, my tanks haven't looked like that. And I, it's weird, it's like this herd mentality. It's like, oh, this is how the reef tank's supposed to look, you know, more diversity, tons of color pop. Um, but uh, just to kind of finish up on Tampa Bay saltwater a little bit, because we're so good at <laughs> like, we're going this direction. Tangent. Is the rock that they're using is uh, Walt Smith Fiji rock. Yeah. So it's kind of crazy that when you buy Tampa Bay saltwater rock, you're supporting you know families and workers in America, but you're also supporting the art- artisans who actually make the rock in Fiji. So you're like you're kind of supporting two reefs: the American reef, you know, uh, environment and the Fiji reef environment. I find that so freaking cool. That is pretty cool. And I know, like, it's kind of surprising how much work effort and bandwidth um the walt smith enterprises has put into creating their rocks they're not i I don't know that all the details i have seen the rock operation in fiji a couple times they really put a lot of effort into it and i i know that um walt and deb are working super hard to um to recreate branch rock oh really yeah yeah they i I was talking to Walt uh, maybe about a month ago, and he said he had, he had fixed it. He solved the issue of how to make, you know, the classic large, big branch rock that was made from staghorn corals, you know, eons ago. That was, um, the original stuff was Tonga branch, wasn't it? Was it from Tonga? They called it Tonga branch, but it came from Tonga or Fiji, but the Tonga branch name stuck. But that's good. That's a good point. Yeah. That stuff was awesome. But if, I, if, I'm, if I'm keeping it real, man, I am just uh, super excited to get my hands on some of those Caribbean corals. Like, none of them are going to be, like, crazy fraggable. None of them are going to be crazy neon colors. But they're just, like, weird, you know? Caribbean rose coral. Um, it's funny because you could have that for 20 bucks next to 100 to $200 trackies, and people would buy the trackies every day. But oculina, it's a facultative heterotroph. So sometimes it has zooxanthellae and sometimes it doesn't. And it's like a kind of a galaxia without sweepers. It is doo-doo chocolate brown. There's not imaginary green to it. But since some of that rock has been out there for a long time, who knows what might be added to the mix. And that's, that's, that's it's going to be so fun for some newer reefers to set up tanks with actual live rock and fine corals growing out of it a year or two later that they didn't notice when they first got the rock. Yeah, and even um, if I were to ever do a fish only with live rock, I would get Tampa Bay rock. And um, I 
to me, you know, when you do a fish only with live rock and you're going to keep fish that are, you know, high waste consumers like triggers or, or you know, uh, maybe some nice holocanthus angels that are going to just rip through your coral collection, right? If I was ever, if I ever had the room to set up like a really big fish only with live rock, I would do some of that Tampa Bay rock because... One, you don't know what the fish are going to chew on and just rip through and whatnot, but you would have, like, not a reef tank, but you would you would end up with, like, a nice diversity of invertebrates, like, whatever could survive, you know, those triggers and stuff. Right. But to me, that would look way cooler than, like, a bunch of dead purple rock with a bunch of fish swimming around. You know what I mean? Guilty. My, my, my fish tank is not even rock. It's, like, artificial decorations. They've all kind of homogenized to the same, same shade of brown. And so, but, I mean, you can treat that tank, right? That's I get thing treat is, that you tank. You could medicate that tank, but, um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but no, as far as like actual fish presentation, using live rock for your fowler, um, that's going to be the best backdrop, especially corallines. Like that's one of the things I've missed. It's like yeah. there's a couple of corallines that, you know, just kind of sneak into different tanks. But remember different species of corallines are really pink, condomov, super purple, then like plating and branching coralline oh, algae. Yeah. We're, we're missing so much biology. So... I'm very excited to uh, welcome Tampa Bay Saltwater into a, a new generation of reef keeping. So I will give them props on one additional thing, and that's their sand. Um, if you're a substrate person. Uh, <laughs> you can see my bare bottom <laughs> yeah. from here. There's no sand in there. Um, to me, like the stuff you buy in bags, I mean, is okay. You know, a special grade, that's pretty popular. It's a good grain size. Um, but it's like this stark white sand, right? But the stuff that you can get from TBS has like um, kind of a golden brown and white mixture. And it comes with a lot of little seashells and stuff. And I know some people freak out about seashells or oh, phosphates. And, but it's just a nice, natural, cool substrate uh, to me. Like if they could sell that in a bag, right, obviously everything would die on it. But like if, if you could find a bag that looked like that at the store, that would actually be my preference. And um, so I just ordered it from them. And um, yeah, if you're a sand person, like they have an awesome substrate, in my opinion. It's, it's just it's more natural. That you should mention that because obviously the Carib Seas of the world, they grade all their sand and you get a yeah. very homogenized product. And it's like you only get very fine grain or mid grade or coarse grain. And for my freshwater tank, I actually will collect from the rivers and streams and depending on which part of the river you're at, it'll be really fine over here, or really coarse over there. But when you get this heterogeneous mixture of the coarse and the mids and the fines, it looks so freaking natural. It does. So freaking natural. I mean, back when I was a sand guy, I would absolutely mix different grades. So definitely like the live sand that you're talking about, um, something that's actually from the ocean. It's naturally graded, so it's not all oolitic or all super coarse. Um, yeah, that is aesthetically that's way better looking. Maybe that's why I got away from the from the sand beds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I if I'm hoping I still have enough sand in this tank for my new tank. If I don't, I will. I'm glad they're back up and running because I was sitting there wondering because I I was kind of keeping track with online. Uh, you know, are they shipping? Are they not? And uh, it's good news that they are because I would order some more sand from them if I need it. Very um, cool. Um, so, yeah, uh, new influx of 
Fijian rock with Caribbean life is incoming very soon from Tampa Bay Saltwater, but I'm sure you noticed this beautiful, beautiful mangrove tank behind me. Yeah. Goodness. Need some sand. <laughs> no, no, no sand. Actually, it does have sand in it. Yeah. It has um, refugiate in glass, you know, those glass containers, I guess you can find at the thrift stores for like a dollar. So each of the mangroves is either completely or partially potted in refugiate from two little fishies. But it's, it's not on the bottom. And then I have some wrasses in there and to keep them from kicking it all over the place, I took some of my heavy coarse, ga coarse grade um, freshwater, I wouldn't even call it gravel, they're like small rocks. And I put a layer of rock on top of that specifically so the wrasses couldn't go in there and like kick it up all over the place. It's really just the leopard grass. I don't know how much the mystery grass goes into the sand, but yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, I'm sure our viewers by now in the last 30 minutes have noticed that there's some, some kind of large spotlights on that aquarium. And these are, of course, uh, the brand new Kessel A500X. Now, before I dive into them, I just want to say how much I disagree with the name. Because I, I learned about the A500s before I ever saw them or plugged them in or anything. And with an A360 on the market, it gives you the impression that the A500 is like, I don't know, 20% brighter, right? Yeah. It's not, it's twice as bright. They really should have called it the Castle A700 or A720 because it is a remarkable amount of power. Like when I had just one on this tank, I mean, it just looked exactly like a metal halide. And that's really, this is a big claim, That's right? a bold claim. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure, even with you, if I'd just shown you the tank, uh, you would just assume it was metal halide because it's got a lot of glimmer, it's a, it's a very strong point source, and uh, I've actually been right on for about, since last year, at least since last year. What's the wattage on? So, let's do um, the full dive in. I got the box right here. So this is the box for the, the A500X. And it's a, the body itself is a little bit wider diameter than A360. The A360 kind of took the old 360 and pancaked it. But this one gets back high. And um, same controls and everything on top. It's 185 watts coming from an emitter this big. Dang, that is getting... Uh... That's getting into like metal halide power. That's that's impressive. Yeah, and it's the whole fixture is the heat sink. The entire thing is the heat sink. Um, the studio is really quiet. Obviously, it's not like a living room, um, but man, it's it's really freaking quiet. And it goes all the way to blue or all the way to white. And then once you plug in either their dongle or the um, Kessel Spectral Controller, then you can access the additional channels. Um, they're on here somewhere. Uh, red, green, and purple, with the purple channel being a combination of violet and indigo. Uh, they recommend it for about three by three feet. And dang it, I forgot the price. We're actually shooting this on Wednesday and it's gonna be announced the day of this, of this uh, video's publication. But I, I wanna say it's $7.99. I want to say it's $7.99, maybe $7.49. Uh, 
It's, it's, it's in that area. And you know what? If, if you're happy with your lights, and keep your lights. But if, if you need more power, I mean, it just doesn't make any sense to just keep stacking 360s together. This thing has really impressed me way more than I thought. Yeah, that's that's um, that's some serious wattage coming out of a point source light, and given the efficiency of LED too, um, I mean that's got to be that's got to be a ton of. I, I I can only see it from the pictures, right? So I can't see it in person, but um, the the fact that you could probably light your tank from a much higher uh, light source as well, or, or height, I guess is the word I'm looking for. Um, is hugely beneficial for a point source light, right? Because you can get that spread. Um, you can do a lot of I, cool I, things with that too. I mean, I, I'm guessing they're gearing this towards SPS growers, right? Um, I, first of all, I would like to say that this kind of power in a smaller package is not a new be a beginner light, right? This is for people who either want to light up a very broad area or if they want to punch down really deep. Um, so the without a reflector, it's a 120 degree beam angle. So just super broad and that's kind of the three foot by three foot. I'm currently using the same exact reflector that is on the, um, that's available for the A360s. Just, it just slaps on magnetically. And I wanna say this is 55 degree beam angle. And for this light, for the big tanks who need to punch down deep, have a brand new 35 degree reflector. Now this is the kind of reflector that'll get you in trouble because it really creates like a spotlight. And you can do two things with that. You can either light your tank very deep or you can get into like more dramatic displays by raising your lights. Yeah. And I know that's what you want for your <laughs> yeah. big tank, right? <laughs> yeah. I uh, Long ago I saw their uh, track lighting that they have mm -hmm. for the um, living walls. And I thought, man, if you could do a track light above a rimless tank and have narrow optics to really focus the beam on the tank itself, that would be cool. I don't um, know about the track part, but... But this is, yeah. Yeah, 30, this is... 35 degrees. You know, I think this is 50 bucks. I can work on the track part, you know? I mean, we right. can easily get some 80-20 and, and do some cool mounting. But um, that that's, again, uh, to me, that that's, a, that's the coolest thing about this light. I just want to let all our viewers know, because I've been accused of being a cheerleader for certain products. And that, you know, that might've been true when, that, when LEDs were really new and I was excited about every new light coming on the market. But now I take a much more bristly approach. I, I assume that lights are like repackaged and junk, but kind of getting back to the efficiency, I think that Kessel and Ecotech and uh, Aquilumination are the only companies who are really pushing to put more LEDs in their light fixtures while either keeping the wattage the same or increasing it just a tiny bit. And that really matters when it comes to physics because the lower you drive your LED, the more efficient it is, right? But you can't put a thousand LEDs into a small fixture and run them at you know, 20 milliamps. Like that, that just wouldn't be cost effective. So it's finding that balance between how many LEDs you put in the fixture and how hard do you drive them? And I believe there's a hundred diodes. I mean, I haven't counted them, but it's, it's, it's a lot more than the A360. So a hundred diodes, 185 watts. I mean, you're really in the sweet spot for this thing. And, and this display behind me is probably the hardest 
uh, tank to light that I've ever tried to light. Because I'm trying to light up the mangroves at the top with kind of diffused lighting, but then I need more of that punch uh, for the corals down at the bottom. So this tank is 33 inches cube, and um, I have acros on the bottom. The light is three feet above the tank. So definitely one question people are gonna have is like, why do you have two lights? Um, the tank is half full, so I'm, I'm losing a lot of that internal reflection, right? If the water was all the way to the top, you would have so much more light reflecting from all the different angles. But since it's half full, without the, you know, the uh, reflectors, there's a lot of bleed that comes out the side. So this, is, this has been a, kind of a tough cookie. But before this, I was using about 400 watts of light. I had a Coral Care Gen 2 towards the back to evenly light up the trees. And then I had the Spectra SP200, 200 watts, um, with lenses and kind of narrow reflectors to punch all the way down. It was a mess over the tank, man. <laughs> it really was. So with these two lights, I get you know that nice overlap. Again, if the tank was full, this would be a very different looking tank. It probably you know could get by with just one light. Yeah, for me, so I was a halide zealot for a long time, and then I understandably, yeah, I mean, the obviously the glimmer lines, the um, the intensity was just something else. But you know, it turned your tank into a bake light oven. You remember those things where your kids would like bake cookies under a hot lamp? Um, I switched to T5s. Amazing color, amazing growth but so boring to look at. Sorry, <laughs> I don't mean to uh, offend uh, T5 lovers, but it was just a very flat distribution of light. Um, and then my beef with the very, very early gen LEDs was you would get the glimmer lines back, but you had very harsh shadowing, right? And um, so I like that some LED manufacturers are definitely going to you know more of a distributed light panel uh, like the new Ecotex or even like the Philips, right? But to me, it's like you can still sort of, you know, the halides, you did the parabolic reflectors, but um, even when I was doing like double-ended bulbs, which really didn't have good reflectors, um, the the nice thing about halides is, you know, especially a suspended fixture, if you just went up, right, and gave that light more 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 space to distribute, right, it's, it's yeah. going like this, right? Um, you could get the you could strike a good balance where you get those glimmer lines, but you also get enough light refraction and distribution that you're not getting really harsh shadows either, right? If you think about it, the sun is a point source light, but it's just so freaking far away that that light you know distributes. Um, and in the air, you have diffraction from the right. air molecules. That's why shadows aren't pitch black. And in the water, it's like times a thousand that diffraction, that natural light diffraction. And I've seen some really interesting people back in the day. They would beef up the wattage of their LEDs, but just raise them really high, right? And but but those are all DIY type situations where um, what appeals to me about this light is it's got the it's got the oomph behind it, right? That you could put it up very high and still get. I would imagine. I mean, I don't have a you know I I don't I can't quantify this right now, but. Um, you could get the still a great amount of par, especially with their um, that with their lenses, right? Um, so, so to me, that's kind of the cool thing is like, could you put these lights at a higher distance from the tank, get that 
you know, play with those lenses, get a really cool effect with the tank where the tank, the, you know, there's not this light fixture hovering right above the tank. Um, and you still get great distribution and probably not really much shadowing either. I love the part where we are walking away from how, how do we grow corals? Is this light going to be bright enough to be like, how can we make the entire aquarium more aesthetically pleasing overall? Yeah. Like that's what we've gotten. I think, I, man, this light is so much fun. Like, I, again, I want to reiterate that much power in a small package is absolutely not for newbies, especially if you don't have an experience managing that kind of power. And, you know, I just wanted to do kind of a test run with these lights, but I think I'm going to experiment with having one kind of lower, close to the trees with the 55 degree reflector to, you know, to just kind of uh, fill it in and then put another one higher up with the high angle reflector. And I had, a, I had an idea in order to not have to worry so much about lighting a coral from both sides, I'm gonna let this tank get taken over by caps. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, when's the last time you saw a big, beautiful orange Monty cap? Yeah. Or a big, nice, you know, Lang side. I mean, I had one two or three years ago that I traded, I gave away because I didn't want it to chop it up. I didn't have room for it, but then I ended up getting a Satosa back. But yeah, dude, imagine this tank with like some, 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 some orange cap and just Lang side. Really, just, just that, just orange, just real flat plating, orange Capricorn, Montipora Capricornis, and then a little bit denser, higher growing, purple rimmed jade Lang side Capricornis. Oh, those corals grow so fast, they're, they're a pain to manage in most tanks. And I usually end up using them as shelves to put other corals onto, but I think for this tank, I'm just gonna let it go. 33 by 33 inches, mangroves at the top, and just let caps just go nuts. Very, very exciting. God, I man, I used to just have such a soft spot for caps, but the fact that they grew so fast and grew out of control and got Monty nudies, so many things, but. Tell me this gives you some ideas for your next tank. It does. I mean, I, you know, I, I told you, well, I think we talked about it in the last video. Um, I, I'm going to have that rim of glass, and I, I'm trying to think of ways that um, I can make it a tank that I can enjoy from the front, but also from the top. And, uh, you know, my stand's only going to be 32 inches high. Uh, uh, not the you know not the tall 36 and then the tank itself is not very tall and then the water within the tank's not very high and so but you know one thing I've talked to you about is you know when you've got these huge fixtures just hovering above it that gets in the way um, and if I can get the lights higher up and just create that viewing experience one that would be awesome um, I still got to figure out flow you know how can I balance um, providing the corals flow and but at the same time having windows of time where I can windows, enjoy the yeah, little periods of, of calm water well yeah. it's a good thing almost every decent pump worth using these days is controllable right out yeah. the box no controller required this just super fast um, yeah I'm, I'm very excited um, I, I was working this tank as kind of a clam tank but I just realized like I don't see that, you know, I, I, I theoretically, right, I can turn the flow off in here and look down, but I never did. So I, I started keeping my clams a little bit more in the top down viewing coral flats. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited about the caps. I think what you're going to be doing with your six foot tank. Yeah. Yeah. Six foot tank, 
little bit lower water level. I hope you know this gives you like some not guidance. You don't need the guidance, but just like a little starting off point. Like oh hey, a little, little patch of mangroves in the back doesn't sound too bad. Yeah, I need to pick your brain about that because I think my water is going to be a bit deeper, and I need to figure out do I do like a, a vase and build it up with some rock to get the soil higher up because I don't want to have like a you know eight inch sand bed and like six inches of water um, or you know uh, I've never I mean full confession I've never grown mangroves just attached to rocks I know it's doable right um, what, what does that do for the root system how does that look inside the tank that, that I'd be curious if I could you know, somehow mount them to rock that's either partially exposed or just below the water line, and then let the let the thing kind of take care of itself. And you know, I, th I think I think uh, growing mangroves on a rock might be okay for some small trees, but man, if you want to grow a tree, it, it's got to develop its roots. And so you might be able to see right there. That's my older mangrove. That's in a freshwater vase with aqua soil, like freshwater aqua soil. I just give it freshwater. And it grows so much faster than the saltwater ones. Interesting. Yeah, it really, really kind of grows a lot faster. So if you wanted the easiest time, I would just put the mangroves behind the tank. <laughs> put the mangroves, you know, have like a little trough or something behind the tank and just have that be just dirt and fresh water and it'll look like it's part of the tank or maybe have that part inside the tank. But um, I have noticed that when I spray these guys down with fresh water to get some of the salt residue out of their leaves, they just do so much better. But then my fresh water one up here is no maintenance. I just yeah. have to make sure to, you know, make sure that there's water in the thing. That's it. Interesting. Okay. I may steal your, your vase idea at least. Uh, dude, a couple dollars from the thrift store. There's every shape and size. I actually even have one that's like uh, long and tall. It's inside the, the overflow drain. Oh. It's inside the overflow drain and I have a drain cover and I cut a hole in it and it's kind of interlocking like, like this and it just goes right around the tree. So I have a tree in there that's not really in the tank, but he is. But I was thinking if you did like a, a, an isolated vase or something, um, you probably could just silicone it like straight to the back and have your auto top off feed into there. So it's always of, uh, you know, freshening up that water and then you can have the, you know, some, some, a, little, a little bit of a richer substrate. Well, a richer substrate might lead to a little bit more nutrients in your tank, but you don't, you, you don't mind those. No. Nah. So, uh, so that's the Kessel A500. I'm currently using it with um, their standard goosenecks. It barely holds, right? The, the fixture itself is just a shade under two pounds and it doesn't want to hold it. So I'm, after I do the full on review, I'm going to, have more flexibility in experimenting with some different mounting solutions. Um, that's, that's another thing, man, especially you and I having that, that real aesthetic eye for the entire tank, not just how is my little chip of coral going to look on its Instagram debut today. Dude, I, I like to rag on Instagram reefing every chance I get. But instead of that, like, how does it look from far, far away? Um, I think these are going to be really, really fun for the interior designers who want to incorporate reef tech. That's, that's, yeah, I'm excited, man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn more about them. Yeah, um, I think that's about it for the, the, new, the new news going on right now. When are you uh, planning to get your tank? It's still got a while. So it's being built by Planet, and they had a bit of a setback with their 
because they're in Texas, right? And Texas just got dumped on and power outages and, you know, all kinds of horrific stuff happening out there. Uh, and I, I know they're back in, you know, back up and running, but um, I think they're a bit backlogged trying to catch up. So I was hoping to see the tank this week, uh, but it may be another week or two before it gets uh, to the store here and delivered. Yeah, so for your aquarium, I'm, I'm already just kind of picturing, like, if you go with A500s, there's nothing that says you only have to use A500s. There's nothing to say you can't, you know, mix up some where the coral, the light is overlapping, put some 360s in between, depending on your spread and, and what you're trying to achieve. Um, but I'm just, I'm super excited about that part of it. Yeah, I mean, I'm... My experience with Kessel has been good. You know, I've, I've still got an A350 running on my invert Q tank where I've got some corals growing. And, uh, you know, that thing is uh, bomb-proof. It just keeps running, built to last. So um, I'll, I'm definitely interested in seeing, you know, what can be done with these. And, and I like the idea of just keeping it simple. I, I don't like when people get, they get LEDs, and I get why they do it, and then they add T5s to it. And then now it looks like a science project again, you know, or, um, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it, to me, if you're, if all, if your only goal is to maximize growth and color out of your SPS, I get it. Right. Like, like the, the, the aesthetics of the tank is irrelevant. It's what's inside and how, how much color you can squeeze out of those corals. But for me, it's, it's the whole picture. Right. And once your tank starts to look like a science project, I've been there, um, uh, to me, that I, I really like uh, people that put a lot of effort into the whole design. And I believe there's some diminishing returns, right? When you start to tack on all these different things to it, is it really making your tank more successful? I mean, if it makes it like 5% better, but now your tank looks... Now your wife looks at your tank like, what the hell, you know? <laughs> or, or, you know, let's, let's kind of talk about cycling, man. Like... I'm sorry, bro, but you don't need to cycle your tank for a month for corals. Oh, put, yeah. Put your corals in, like, day two. If you got your temperature evened out, you have your salinity evened out, then no leaks. I mean, you could do that for however long you want with fresh water and make sure you have no leaks. But, yeah, you know, I, throw, in some st throw in some hardy sticks, like, day two, right? They're not going to just all of a sudden just suck all the minerals out of your water. It takes time to build that up. Well, you think um, about planet tank enthusiasts, right? A lot of advice is always grounded in get some really fast-growing plants in there, mm -hmm. um, and that's one gonna, you know, get a foothold before the algae does, right? It's it's adding biomass, right? Um, and then you start to add the slower growers and all of that. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, you know, don't don't put your most delicate coral in there, but if There's you've got some some bomb-proof corals that, that you don't mind, right? Or some sacrificial softies and stuff that are growing like weeds in your old tank or in, in a sump or something. Just put some corals in there. Get some life in there. Definitely, like, the general headline price of corals has made people a little bit scared to just experiment. Like, man, you'd be hard-pressed to kill some Anacropora. Like, I, I, Anacropora is a super thin-branching kind of monopora look-alike. And it grows so fast. I like it auto frags and I'll have frags just kind of kicking around everywhere. And so many frags, like I don't need every single one of them. I'll throw them away. I'll toss them in kind of the coral flats and they can bounce around for so long. Um, but 
back to what you were saying though, like, man, you are seeing some people who are creating YouTube channels or Instagram feeds and they have tons of electronics and giant piles of rock. They have this meticulously aquascaped rock pile and they have no corals or they're like two fish and you know they're going to be adding up the cleanup crew for they have anything to clean up I'm like what are you doing you're you're i would say you're doing it backwards but you're not even doing it backwards <laughs> that implies that there's some kind of rhyme or reason but man like you know, on instagram you see some people who have stickers for their instagram channels before they have a real reef tank they've named their reef tank before they have water in it <laughs> Well, I see, you know, they'll put um, sand in that's from a bag. Then they put a bunch of dead rock in. Then they fill it. Then they put bacteria in a bottle in. And then they wait. And I'm like, if you had used some live rock, you know, put a couple of sacrificial corals in, like, you'd be up and running. Maybe that's where it's coming from, right? This idea to put your rock in. And, yeah, sure, if you start with, like, really fresh live rock... You want to give it some time to yeah, off gas. There's going to be some death, you know, that you use some dead sponges and crap. But I mean, do you think that some of this is also born out of this irrational fear of pests? I mean, no, no, I don't think people are, are afraid of pests enough. Really? Oh, dude, how many people actually have a quarantine tank at home? Do you have yeah, a quarantine well, that's, tank? That's at home? actually a really good. I do. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So yeah, you know, but you probably have played the the dump and hope approach a few times in your yeah. career. Yeah, I've learned some valuable lessons. I've gotten <laughs> burned by inverts twice. And, um, you know, we were talking about the Fowler with Tampa Bay Rock. I'll just put a disclaimer. If anybody takes that idea, if you put a bunch of um, Tampa Bay sand and rock in your tank... I, then I would probably wait a month or two or 45 mm -hmm. days before you add any fish because... They're sick out in the ocean. Yeah, yeah, and that's happened to me. I mean, I, you know, people can say, well, can you prove it came from this or that or from the snails you bought? I'm like, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, you can. I added nothing to this tank for two years. I added one coral frag from the store and boom. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't a mystery connecting those dots. There wasn't a bunch of stuff going. But on the flip side, like, you could, in the warmer weather... You could literally just put that rock in a bucket with a hairstone. Yeah. Then, you know, just don't let it dry out and walk away for like a month plus and then you're fine. You're totally fine. Well, and if you start it. with live rock, if you got to wait 45 days to add fish, you got a lot of cool stuff to look at. You got you're so not much cool stuff to look at. <laughs> like, it's, it's, you can literally take a microscopic tour of all the different sponges and bryozoans and tube worms and feather dusters. Oh, crap. Here comes an urchin. I didn't know I had an urchin, you know? Right, right. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I, I, I agree. I, I don't know where that sterility approach came from. Um, I'm, 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 I'm guilty, man. I've been trying, again, on the one side, I appreciate a very lush living reef tank. But when I'm trying to do a bunch of different tanks, I mean, I'm trying to reduce that biology as much as possible. I mean, I don't... But, 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 but the pods, the amphipods, the copepods, and the, especially my army of cleanup crew is going to be the stomatellas. Like, I have so many of them, and I had a visitor over here last night. He had never even heard of them. I was like, well, that's because you can't buy them, because you can't culture them in mass and, and make money off of them. You just need somebody to give them to you or just have them kind of pop up with your corals and stuff. I always liked watching them reproduce because it looks like they sneeze. Like, they get up, and they just, you know, it's like they, I mean, they don't have legs, but they get 
upright and mm -hmm. they, it looks like they're sneezing and you know something's going in the water but i still remember this one moment where i was looking at a rock and i didn't know that stomatellus could just like separate their tail and run along kind of like a gecko they just uh, tototomy what is that called when they just like release a part of their body yeah i know what you're talking about i don't know what the term for it is. so i was watching this rock and i just see the well it's left of the stomatella waving around on the rock and i was dumbfounded because i had no idea what that creature was it was months later i was like oh the stomatella will just kind of break off its tail and and the tail will sit there and just kind of you know hold onto the rock and it's just kind of doing this movement for a predator to eat while the, the animal keeps going kind of crazy see that's the stuff you miss out on the the little the little critters man the 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 things growing in the nooks and crannies um when you do a dead dead rock tank in my opinion yeah no but i think you really hit it on the head earlier with like not going to too far extremes you know uh, I like having smart pumps and I like having programming built into my lights, being able to access a couple features right from the phone. And, but I don't need everything automated to the point where, you know, I can't really enjoy certain pieces of the reef life. Yeah, I, I think look at it as tools, right? Know what you're trying to accomplish and then, um, you know, hey, these tools are in your arsenal to accomplish what you're doing. I mean, if you're going to automate a reef, you should know how to keep a reef so you know what you're trying to automate. Yeah. Um, and uh, that, that's where I think sometimes things can go awry, where um, when you've been down that rabbit hole of trying to keep something like this in the most simplistic way possible, um, and you've had the headaches and the ups and downs, like, I, I think that experience is worth its weight, right? It, it, mm -hmm. it's, Negative experiences are not good when you're losing livestock. It's not fair to the animals, you know, so it's good to get educated and not make the same mistakes 3 billion people have made before you, you know, like read, do research. Um, your animals deserve that. But um, at the same rate, I mean, I, I, I do, I love automation. I have a controller. I have uh, a lot of monitoring. But for me, it's that's that's in its own way, sort of a hobby, but I don't need any of that to keep a, a, a reef tank. And um, it's not essential. Can we talk um, about can we talk about automation first? Uh, auto top offs for a second? Sure. I think electronic ATOs are hella dumb. <laughs> I think they're so stupid. Unless you have a nano tank. And there's absolutely no practical way to put, a, you know, something higher than it for gravity feed float switch, float valve. I have one 50-gallon reservoir that tops off just like 2,000 gallons of tanks automatically. I never have to think about it. Gravity is never going to fail. People, you know, like people, people want to talk smack about gravity-fed uh, auto top-offs and... To say, oh, the float valve is going to fail or something. First of all, that's never happened to me. It's never happened. Only if you have a ton of sand and a lot of biology and a lot of encrusting things is something going to interfere with your float well, valve. Yeah, yeah. But I have my purified water automatically replenishing the, the reservoir for everything. I'd literally never have to think about my top off. Like the water would have to be shut off for that to be a thing. But for an auto top off, a modern one, you need a high-level switch, a high-level sensor, low-level sensor. You need a power supply, 
you need a, a little mini controller, and you need a feed pump. And you have to top off your reservoir. So tell me, am I more automated with my gravity? Or is all these wires and tubes and things, like what is, what is the more reasonable solution? Well, it's funny you bring that up because a lot of what I use my controller for is out of the paranoia that my auto top off will fail. Because, <laughs> so I've torn down tanks because they're in places where it's a pain in the butt for me to carry a bucket. That's how lazy I am. Mm -hmm. So uh, my auto top off reservoir is plumbed into my house plumbing, right? So that's, that's bad news, right? If that fails, um, your tap keeps running. Um, so I've got two solenoids from two different companies that, uh, so they don't both have, you know, some kind of same defect at the same time. Yeah. Um, and they're, they're, they fail closed, right? So I got those, I got those plugged into a timer and that timer only lets them run for two hours a day. Um, and that timer is plugged into float switches in my reservoir. So if my float gets stuck, and I got a high level and low water. So I got two floats. If one float gets stuck, I got a backup float. If they both get stuck, worst case scenario, my RO only runs for two hours. Um, Dude, that sounds like such a headache. And then I got leak detectors everywhere, right? Leak uh, sensors all around it. Um, so so it's kind of funny. It's like like the a big portion of my controlling and automation is just a sanity check or just to know so I can sleep at night that, you know, my, my basement's not turning into a swimming pool. What? Why don't you just use a float valve? In the uh, auto top of reservoir or the Yeah, I want you to just, no, why don't you just use completely a gravity fed float valve? In the, in the sump? Yeah. Um, I do a dosing pump, um, but that part of that too is going to be because I have to fight gravity, right? My reservoir is in the basement and my tank will be upstairs. Um, so that I, I use a so in case, dosing pump. In, in cases like that, it absolutely makes sense if you can't elevate your 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 top off container. But uh, it really doesn't take that much to uh, put a ten gallon bucket or a ten gallon drum in a closet and then just route that tubing through your home or whatever, just like it was wiring. But you know, I guess I get that that's involved. And but man, it's I, I, you know it's it's nuts and. Um, Oh, and I have the, I do have a float valve in the reservoir with, uh, what do you call it, the little solenoid that shuts off the water. So I even have a mechanical backup, but, um, but yeah, it is kind of crazy, but I'm, I mean, I never have to fill up my auto top off bucket. I never, my sump is good. Um, and it's interesting. I tested, I, I unintentionally tested this cause that same trash can has a spigot on the side so I can fill a bucket with water when I need to. And I filled up a five-gallon bucket, and I put the spigot at the right height that only five gallons can drain out of the trash can. But I was super tired, so the thing finished draining, right? And I didn't close the valve. And I went to bed. And uh, the next morning, I came downstairs. I work from home right now with COVID, and there was a little puddle. But that, could, that thing could have run all night, but the timer only let it run for two hours. So I only had like a two-gallon puddle to clean up. And I thought, okay. But see, so, you know, you're a software engineer and cybersecurity expert, I think. And so, you know, you have that mental muscle to, to, to dedicate to perfecting uh, your auto top-off solution. But like, 
when people visit the Suda, they you know they generally ask me, like, what's your favorite thing to show off? And uh, my favorite thing is what you can't see. All the cables are clean, everything's hidden. There's just kind of a magical auto top off reservoir that feeds all these float valves. Man, I have seven going on here at the studio. Never has any one of them stuck. Yeah. And if you know, every few months I'll just just actuate it back and forth and make sure I'm dislodging anything that could potentially be in there. And, uh, but yeah, there's, there's some automation that's good, especially for leak detection and for preventing problems, but it's just, it just gets a little bit funny when you're relying on the controller to clean up its own mess. Well, and I feel like the more you automate, and I mean, I learned this in my job too, you gotta, you gotta think of every angle, every, every what if, and that's that the hard the part. That is the key. You have yeah. to simulate. Every time I'm installing a piece of equipment, I'm doing a mental simulation of like, how could this break? How could this fail? Remember when, remember when we didn't have magnet mounts for all our power heads and people's power heads would always fall into their sand while they were away, blow stuff all over the place and kill how, how much stuff? Yeah, yeah that, that, that simulation to re prevent problems. I'm really glad you said that. Yeah, I think, I mean, and I've fallen victim to that, right? Uh, where I'm coding stuff in my controller and I don't, I, I'm not thinking through, you know, um, when I set up to control the heat in my two quarantine tanks, I didn't choose the right temperature, the right thermometer for that controller to act on, right? So Ooh. it was acting on the temperature in my reef tank, but I want, you know, the temperature to be higher than my reef tank because I'm trying to, you know, if, if, if I'm quarantining a fish, I kind of want the temperature to be slightly more elevated and, you know, the, the metabolism and life cycle of any type of parasite to be faster. Um, so it was never hitting its, you know, desired temperature, right? Because the, the temperature measurement was my tank. And I, I, luckily I caught that in time, but that's just one of those things where it's like you've got to think through everything whereas if i just programmed this ebo heater you know and plugged it into an outlet it probably would have been fine yeah i, I it, there's something about controllers for me that is more for the advanced side because if you when as soon as you get a few steps removed from the actual function that's when you're going to get yourself into trouble it's true you gotta be uh, they're they're very powerful they're very cool but um, and I, I, I'll always have one, but I've seen plenty of really awesome reef keepers um, have problems because they just didn't think through. Some, you know, I mean, and they won't tell you about it because they don't want to be mean. <laughs> they won't. They won't like blast it, right? They won't blast it on the forums or whatever. Well, nobody wants to um, admit their own screw ups. Right? Yeah, well, there's that too. Well, cool, man. I really enjoyed this conversation, that this uh, re-therapy session. We uh, dove into Tampa Bay Saltwater Live Rock. I, we, we talked about Live Rock for a minute. And then, uh, you know, it's funny how we, we didn't really talk about the Kessel A500 inherently so much as the flexibility and the, the just the know the versatility of having just all that power in a tiny package like what can you do once you have almost 200 watts coming from barely like a one inch emitter and man you picked a really good time to set up a new tank between fresh live rock on the way and these new a500s um, definitely looking forward to seeing what you do with your reef tank yeah hopefully it turns out good uh, I'll take it slow with it I, you know the, the nice thing about having a reef tank 
that's doing well is you can really take your time set up the new that, one. That is true, right? Because you're already getting your itch, and then you yeah. just take your sweet, sweet time. You know, the uh, the auto top off system did not come to me like that. You know, it's definitely like a version two, version three, where I was slowly kind of perfecting the the mass delivery. And now, if I want to add a new tank, I literally just daisy chain into the main water line. It's kind of silly. It's, it's so much fun. So do you just have like a quarter inch RO tubing going throughout the, the Reef Builder studio that you can tap into? Yep, yep. There's one uh, all along this wall. And I just, you know, if I add a tank on the end or even in between, if I did that, just tap into it. So there's like five, six float valves all kind of on the same one. And then behind what you can see in the camera, there's two peninsula tanks and there's a little water line that goes down in the, in the bottom and just daisy chain them. Daisy chain. So I really want to thank everybody for tuning in to uh, Reef Therapy Sessions. Um, me and Mark are always going to have some fun <laughs> stuff to talk about, but if you have any specific questions that we can give more consideration to, go ahead and comment on this video and we'll do our best to uh, dive into some of those topics um, in the next or future episodes. Yeah, I would love to hear what, what people... I guess want to hear about or want some discussion points on because obviously you and I could, well, we could spend an hour talking about live rock. Um, so, you know, it'll help keep us on track if, uh, if we have some good talking points. Yeah. You know, and, uh, the, the, the better you articulate your question, don't just post, Oh, how do I get rid of a hair algae? You know, if it's more of a unique question, uh, we're more likely to tackle it and just kind of deep dive into it and probably end up talking about some far flung country on the other side of the world where we're at it. So all right, thanks for, uh, joining me in this uh, reef therapy session, Mark and thanks everyone else. Again, we'll catch you guys on the next session. See you guys. Bye.